1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Buffalo Sabres, also known as the offensive machine that cannot be stopped, unleashed hell on the New York Islanders. Six goals and a real nice victory on Tuesday night. Really have not seen that kind of scoring prowess from the Sabres in a bit. Now they're starting to string together some wins here. And just in general, they are looking not only on the ice, they're looking really good. I don't know if you've also noticed this too. I'm sure we all are, but it kind of feels like the first time in a while that this is a team that really kind of likes each other. No, that's not to say that under, you know, in the in the Eichel era that the team was in a feud or anything like that. I know, obviously, we hear the reports about the stuff with him and O'Reilly and, you know, of course, there's the attitude BS that's thrown out there by people. But I think what's really unique about this team is that even though they are underperforming and they are towards the bottom of the standings, I for the life of me cannot remember a team in the drought that has had the same amount of camaraderie as this team appears to have. Like they really feel like they're playing for each other and they really and, and just enjoy being around each other. I don't know. It, it, you know, even though the on ice results now, obviously in the past couple of games, they've been really solid, but overall for the season, it hasn't been great. But even in spite of that, these guys seem like they're really banding together and playing for each other. And it's pretty cool to see, honestly.
0: Yeah. As we all know, Benoit Puglia and Josh Georges, they couldn't stand each other. And that's a, uh, Oof. just a riff that. Don't get me started about the
1: Mizaros feud too.
0: Oh, so we're, we're finally, I think, past all that. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> So, the Sabres had a nice soft landing out of the All Star break, which is kind of the NHL to do. They've got five points in three games. Nice little stretch. They were, they faced Columbus in overtime. Was it an overtime loss or shootout loss? I don't remember. Anyway, they lost to Columbus. Overtime? Yeah, in overtime, I believe it was. Uh, and that was a, you know, 4 or 3 loss. That was Columbus isn't particularly good. They're at a pretty similar level to the Sabres. Uh, the Sabres also lost. To or it's not lost they took on Montreal on Sunday and got a nice little win there against the struggling is putting it kindly the Canadians mm-hmm. the Martin San Luis coach Canadians and then last night hosted the Islanders for a 6-3 win the Islanders are also uh kind of struggling this year so that like I said it was a, a soft uh landing but so the 2-0-1 in their last three which is nice they uh it, you might have uh noticed someone we've talked about a lot recently is Alex Tuck. Tuck has been pretty good uh, basically since he got on the ice for the Sabres about a little bit over a month ago. He now has 19 points in 16 games after another goal last night against the Islanders two nights ago when you're listening to this Tuesday night. Victor Olafson got off the schneid. Victor Olson had two Not goals last time. night. He hadn't had a goal since Halloween and he had two goals within about five minutes of game time. About and it was, damn time. it was his special standing in the slot and waiting for someone to pass it to him and then ripping a, a shot over the goalie's right shoulder and then an empty net goal. I think so. we would be also
1: <laughs> remiss if we did not acknowledge the incredible pass from Peyton Krebs on that Olsen goal. The shot itself oh, yeah. was kind of weird because it seemed like one that the goalie should have had and he just couldn't. And that could also just be a product of Olsen having a hard shot and it's just being a flub, but my God, Krebs with the vision from the corner and making that pass across the ice so clean, like that. whoo! looking like Sam Reinhardt out here, Reinhardt out here with those passes. That was gorgeous.
0: Yeah, that was that's basically how Olofsson scored. That's why Olson looked good when he came up for the first time. It's because he can rip shots when someone gets him a perfect pass to get him open. So, like Eichel was great for that, and so was Reinhardt Krebs maybe that's to get Olison going juices trade value a little bit, huh? That's what I was going to say.
1: Hopefully uh, we don't get to find out more about that next season. Hopefully we just get a little taste of it this year and then they can unload him in the off season.
0: Yeah. I'm not super excited about the guy that didn't score between Halloween and Valentine's day.
1: Nope. Not necessarily.
0: <laughs> anyway. So cage, another guy that scored last night and a really impressive shorthanded goal. He, he basically muscled his way to a goal there. Cage is tied for Jeff Skinner with the team lead in points at 34. So he now has 16 goals, 18 assists, 34 points, and 44 games. Previously in his career, he had 18 goals, 17 assists, 35 points in 145 games. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, so he's going to blow through his uh, career point total. I think with well over two months left in the season, Sabers uh have thirty four games left. So with thirty plus games left, in all likelihood, he'll have more points than he's than he had his entire career before that, which is parts of three or four seasons with the Sabers and Blues. Tage it's being four. Tage being a fifty point guy
1: again. I, I mean, we've said this a bunch, but like him becoming a fifty point guy after what we had seen out of him and feeling like he was on the brink of even being an NHLer. And, and again, the fact that you really can't emphasize how crazy this is enough that he pivoted from wing to center and somehow it just opened up his game, which I feel like virtually almost never happens. It, it, it's yeah, Usually a that's a hard far- transition. Right, right. I think for him it works, obviously, just because of his size. And now he's a bit more prone to using his body and playing a little bit more aggressive. But, I mean, the, the guy is just, looked head and shoulders better than what we've seen from him throughout his career. And I think that it it gives you now so much flexibility moving forward. And the fact that, you know, I, I, we kind of joked a lot last year that it was like, Oh, this, this team is a bunch of guys who are all bottom six forwards now this season. And even though it may not seem like much, this team feels like it's a bunch of guys who are a bunch of really solid middle six guys. Like, I don't think that when we're talking about the Sabres being a competitive team, like a playoff competitor, that you're going to have Tage being your number one center. But if he's your number two guy, I mean, that's, Pretty nice. And then also you have to take into consideration where Cousins is going to fall in the line. You have Krebs who has the ability to play both center and wing. I mean, Tuck obviously is going to be on the top line. Skinner seemingly should not ever be removed from the opposite wing of Tuck too because of how well they play together. Obviously, Tage is having a huge part in that. But, the, you know, you have Middlestat in the mix there too. I mean, we'll see with Olafson. I mean, but he's probably going to end up being on the move at some point or another. But like, it feels like now... And then you're going to have Quinn coming up. You're going to have Paterka coming up too. Um, Like the pieces are really aligning for them now. Whereas, you know, as we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, looking back when Eichel came into the fold, there was really no depth there. And he was walking into a lineup where it was very top heavy. Like, yeah, you had O'Reilly and you had Kane, but you really did not have the depth down the rest of your forward corps at all not nearly as much as what you can say that they have right now. And so again, you you just can't emphasize enough that as it is right now, I I think you and I both are full on expecting next year is going to be a rough one um, again, but it's going to be a lot more improved because you're going to have, again, Paterka and Quinn are going to be up full time. You'll have power up here full time, but I'm telling you, they get lucky either this year or next year, and they're able to get, like an elite high-end guy like if they end up picking in the top three in either of the next two drafts it it really like the 2023-24 season you could see this team being not even like a content like just a contender like you could see them being good with the way that the development of these guys you know if they continue on this trajectory like it's it's crazy to think that they're actually really feels like there's a light at the end of this for the first time in a while. Not that we're just trying to rely on the star power of Eichel and Reinhardt, the way that I look at it and taking out of consideration, the fact that, yeah, we have three first round picks this year and you never know what happens if you're going to be able to hit on one, but you get one high end center into the fold, like a high end, like a step above cousins, we'll call it. They're going to be ready to go. Like they the, there's not going to be much of a weight because you're going to be able to insulate that young guy with a ton of talent around him. And it'll be easier to take on some of those assignments and you're not going to be having to rely on them to drag, you know, the team around in the way that we were hoping Eichel would and the way that Eichel did in a lot of ways. So I'm extremely hopeful and shockingly optimistic, I guess. I mean, do you feel similarly about that, that it's, at this stage of the game it's like if they hit on I mean, we have four first rounders as of right now over the next two drafts three of course this year in the in the 2023 like if you hit on one of those with like a legit top end center like do you feel that way too that like that just takes them from being like oh they actually might be pretty good in a couple of years to being like these guys the way that it's 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 trending is that they will be actually good and obviously you need to have the goaltending situation figured out too but
0: Yeah so the way I would look at it is this so in terms of the Sabres being good as in a playoff contender has to happen at some point. It's an analogy I was gonna use. Uh, We used to cheer for a football team that was very bad perpetually bad even longer than this hockey team and we were wondering if they were ever going to make the playoffs. Sometimes it felt like they never would. In hindsight the Bills, were always going to have a season like they had in 2017. I think I've said this before, 98% sure I have. You always have to have a year where you get lucky and a long enough timeline, you'll get lucky and make the playoffs with the team that doesn't deserve it. And in fact, what we've seen basically across sports is in a long enough timeline, you will have a season like the 2019 Bills where you're pretty good. You're not a championship contender and maybe you just get knocked out in the first round. There's no guarantee that you ever get the 2020 or 2021 bills or the Super Bowl champion 2022 bills. Coming right. Out. No guarantee that ever happens for your team unless you are a good franchise or have some good fortune or are briefly a good franchise or have a good end up having a good GM president, whatever. Maybe you just fall into something either way. There's really no guarantee of that happening. Ask like the Detroit Lions or yeah. any number of NHL teams, the Columbus Blue Jackets, any, a couple other teams that have really, Never been that close to a championship caliber team. So, what I'm saying here is, the Sabers at some point in the near future will be a team that it makes the playoffs, whether that's exciting or not. Maybe that's just a boring five game loss to Boston. Maybe it's a couple playoff losses that are unsatisfying. Maybe they're a little bit better than that, but they're like the the version of the Wild from last decade. Or the difference is kind of to what you're building towards there. How could they become a great team? Well, one. I guess if Adams and Granada really have a plan and I guess there is another, there's another level here where they're hanging around the playoffs. They don't necessarily win a championship. They're never close to a president's trophy, but they're like a good playoff contender every year. Like the 90 Sabres Sands 99. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they're like, or the recent Islanders, whatever. The differences between whether we ever go into a season thing, the Sabres can win a championship is it's a few things. One is definitely Levi. what if he's as good as he looks in college, that'd be huge. Two is what you mentioned there, getting a real star. The Sabres will have no shortage of supporting pieces for this star, should they draft Shane Wright or Connor Bedard or whoever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, one of these fellas. Because looking at the team as a setup now, Jeff Skinner, he should be at least pretty good for a couple more years. At least he can score goals again (laughs) when someone doesn't actively hate him. He's going to be at least in the 20s with goals, it seems like. Hopefully he doesn't fall off too bad. Dylan Cousins. Looks like a great uh, middle six guy at the very least. And maybe, who knows, he's a, a top like guy that doesn't necessarily score that much, but whatever. And same with Peyton Krabs, except Peyton Krabs probably pile up a lot of assists with how good a passer he is. And then Quinn and Pinterka as other guys are interesting. And power on defense and Darlene may be improving, as we've said, he potentially could improve with less ice time. And you just go down, there's a, there's a few interesting guys. And then you have the other picks that are going to be the late picks this year from Florida and Vegas in the bottom 10 of the first round. And of course, Rosine, Kisikov, Poltapov, other guys that are in the system that aren't necessarily any, anything close to sure things in the NHL. What, what could really change their destiny is if they do get one of the guys that we've mentioned at the top of the draft. And mm-hmm. if they, what if they, what if next year they're, you know, pretty good, but then they end up, uh, winning the lottery and getting Conor Bedard, oh, they could change everything. They, he wouldn't be going into some, you know, bad situation. Like, right. like some other franchises I can mention that I'm not gonna, like I say, for example, the other team that is, well, not, I guess I, well, we'll throw Montreal here. I don't count them as an NHL team anymore. Uh, Arizona again is one of the teams that is going to be not really gunning for the, neither of us are really gunning for the bottom the way we were seven years ago. They won't have any kind of infrastructure of good young guys or anything if they were to win, get the top pick, but they have like a billion draft picks. So they've set themselves up well. So Same that,
1: Montreal too, for that matter.
0: No, sorry. They, they got relegated. They're in the AHL now. Oh,
1: good. Okay.
0: They do have, yeah, the Montreal does have a lot of draft picks, but Arizona's, I don't, it's nothing as close to Arizona. Arizona has just an unbelievable amount of draft picks. We're not yeah. even close. They have like 17 picks in the first four. They're like the Oklahoma city thunder of the NHL. Mm-hmm. They also have nothing really worthwhile in the NHL right now. They have like Chikrin. Keller. Keller. Those are their two best pieces. Malt is fine. But yeah, like they have like right Phil Kessel. Up. He's, you know, having an asthma attack. <laughs> he's not that old, actually. He's only like 34, but he's like he's done. He's not a scorer anymore. So anyway, I think that's what could end up the Sabres. Uh, getting that close but something else you touched on I kind of wanted to go into uh, which is the Sabres potentially being good next year or maybe something people have mentioned on Twitter recently I thought it was worth looking into would the Sabres have been playoff contenders this year if they didn't have a month plus of AHL goaltending
1: I think that's hard to say because you could Th- that's predicated on anderson consistently playing and tokarski for the matter, for that matter playing at the level that they have been my not necessarily argument but the thing that i think of when we talk about something like this is say anderson doesn't get hurt does the workload then catch up to him by this point or by march for that matter and then do the wheels fall off because just the fatigue is really setting in and you know he, he just doesn't have it anymore um, that, that that's kind of really where I would I would go to with that I think it's certainly a conversation worth having and I would be curious if you have an argument otherwise that you maybe strongly believe that one way or another I would definitely be curious to hear that but historically speaking and just also I think if he wasn't going to get hurt when he did he was uh, he was bound to at some point or another especially just again like considering that you're relying on this guy to be your starter and your backup is Dustin Tokarski. So, which again, I mean, Tokarski puts together a decent performance here and there, you, you know, give credit where it's due, but I would just have a hard time thinking that the wheels w- wouldn't be falling off right now. If we're at a point where Anderson's hitting like his like 30th start of the year or something like that. And you're really starting to see the the fatigue hit. And then maybe it just kind of happens later than, you know,
0: yeah, so I guess my main take is no. I don't know what playoff contender means. I think what they someone means by that. Did somebody say really, this?
1: Was was this like a point that was brought up somewhere?
0: Yes, I saw like a not not like a anyone in the media or anyone. There was I, I saw it brought up by a couple of people in an argument, and I kind of got me thinking about it. I don't want to say who it was and be like you're an idiot or anything like that <laughs> because there is there is actually a point to what he said, which I'll get to with the, some of the stats I have laid out here. But like. they're not that wrong, but you're, you're wrong. But also what does playoff contender mean? Because I think like, come on. Yes. Because that's, that's what the loser point does in the NHL. What it does is it makes a bunch of teams think that they're close to the playoffs or fans. I should say, maybe teams don't think that there was a year where the Sabres were, it was 2016, 17, and they had like the last bye week when the NHL did bye weeks that one year. And, I think a couple of years, they did that. They had one of the last ones. So they had more games played than everyone. And they were going into right before their bye week it was a Sunday afternoon game against the Blackhawks. And they were one point out of a playoff spot, quote unquote. Now, like almost everyone else had either four or five games on in hand on them or three to five games in hand. If they they lost to the Blackhawks, so it didn't matter. They didn't get into quote unquote, that playoff spot. But if they had, they just would have got passed by everyone that coming week or multiple teams. They were like, they could have been eighth with a points percentage that's like 12, and you know that's the other thing. At the same time, teams don't necessarily have equal games played throughout the year, especially in these COVID times. Right. So it makes it makes sometimes a loser point can make things look closer than they are. So here's what I was thinking. I guess what what someone like that really wants to do is get rid of the games that Dell and Subban played. Dell and Subban were a combined 110 and two this year for the Sabers, and they. Were basically, the starting goalies throughout mm, what was that? I mean, Tokarski was in and out too, as well, in like December. So, like, there was like November, December, some parts of January, like UPL was up too. So mm-hmm. then he got hurt anyway. I think the rest of the goalies are 15, 14, and eight. Wow, so that's an 84 point pace. The Bruins and the Capitals have fallen off in recent weeks, and they're the seven and eight seeds, and they are both on pace for 101 points. <sighs> So like, no, the the real answer is no, because not to be obtuse about it, but this is the Eastern conference this year really has eight good teams and eight not so good teams. Yeah. So what the Sabres could have done, let's say if Anderson got hurt and you played UPL in those games or Hauser in those games, instead of, <laughs> instead of Dell and Subban, what would you have gotten? Well, maybe something close to this, pace i mentioned 15 14 and 8 maybe you extrapolate that and it's a little bit worse because you can't really expect what you've gotten out of hauser or anderson to continue on the long term you're a team like detroit and you're a lot more i think there'd be a little bit more confidence in the fan base uh but no you would not be contending for the playoffs i mean the team save percentage is 905 you should have expected bad goaltending this year i think yeah sure some some people are right maybe maybe the sabers would be decent with good goaltending but that by me. design though, the, the, oh, that's, of course, that's
1: the, the thing we have to keep in mind here. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like they didn't they want this. So I was thinking like, are the Sabres actually pretty good? Like if they get like, they've, they've had nine Oh five overall goaltending. If they were like nine ten, would they really be on pace for 80 something points? I mean, this roster still does kind of stink in terms of like star power or real yeah. not even star power. Like guys, you can put out in top lines. Like you have no top pairing and you have no, you have no real top line. I top feel like the a better, I
1: mean, personally, I feel like even if you want to like firm up that argument even more, you could say, what if talking Krebs were here all year?
0: Yeah. I, what, I if we, be, what if they made I the Eichel think, trade in uh, October? The Eichel
1: trade happens in the summer. Tuck in a magical world is not injured and is able to play at a, well, he, not magical.
0: He got hurt. Didn't he get
1: hurt in Vegas this year? Was it that, or I thought he was, he missed the start of the season.
0: But, well, I don't know if he got hurt in training camp or preseason or whatever, but I thought he got hurt early on either way. I thought he got hurt in Vegas, but I could be wrong. But yeah, if those guys are here, he definitely has
1: not played any games this year. Like he didn't, he
0: didn't play for Vegas at all this year. Okay. So definitely wasn't the regular season. Well, either way, like to your point, Tuck and Krebs being uh, up all year, like that gives them some semblance of a decent top six because most of the year they haven't had anything approaching a real top six. Like we've pointed out, they don't have a bad. Oh, they didn't have a bad fourth line for a while. It seems like early in the season. These third and fourth lines they've been putting out recently. I don't love it.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been
0: a lot of Cody Eakin and John Hayden. (laughs) Well, soon, Jack Quinn.
1: The buzz around Cody Eakin potentially being moved at the trade deadline. God bless him.
0: That'd be sick.
1: Give so, me that seventh round
0: pick. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it. Um, that's so that's interesting. I was trying to think, though, like how would the Sabres actually end up being a pretty good team? And I was tweeting about it last night, how they're scoring more goals. They have fallen off their goal pace a little bit. We talked a couple months ago about how they were on pace to uh, be the highest scoring Sabres team in a decade. They're a little bit off that pace now. They're 23rd in the league. They have 131 goals scored. They're on pace for 224. So they're basically still at the level they were at in 2018-19 and 2019-20, which is wild. Those teams had Sam Reinhart and Jack Eichel on them. Crazy. One of those teams had uh 40 goal Jeff Skinner. One of those teams had well, no none of those teams had Taylor Hall, actually. Good. That's yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but it's, it's just that's wild to me. But still, like if they get hot by the end of the year, it's not unrealistic that they could be the highest scoring team of the last 10 years for the Sabres wise. Either way, they're not going to be the worst scoring team. Still, that doesn't really explain how they could be a 500 team with average goaltending. Um, I was looking through money pucks, advanced stats, and according to them, they're a reputable website. Uh, sabers and expected goals for percentage is 44.88 percent. that's very very bad that's way Ooh. worse than i expected which for those that don't follow this type of thing that means that the sabers would be expected to score just under 45 percent of goals that are scored at even strength uh, to put that in context that's 30th in the nhl it's only ahead of arizona and montreal this is at even strength 29th and expected goals for 23rd and expected goals against so that's, it isn't good, obviously, uh, on either front. That that kind of made me wonder a little bit more, too. Um, I There's a couple of things that are working in their favor. First of all, things can work against expected goals for and against. Just talking about even strength for getting special teams for a second. And the main things are, you could call them luck and skill. Luck is one. Good goal tending, good um, shooting, not just good more skilled, you know, offensive players, guys, let's say like Sidney Crosby, they score a lot guys like Jack Eichel and uh, Sam Reinhardt score a lot more than they're expected to Leon Dreiseltl, Connor McDavid, guys like that, you know, those similar guys, Connor McDavid and Sam Reinhardt, they score more than they're expected to because of their skill. Mm -hmm. And then there's also shooting luck. Meanwhile, same thing, goaltending someone like Dominic Kashuk, he saved more than he would have been expected to save because he was great. Someone like, I don't know, the the parade of jackasses that have started this year for the Sabres, they save less than they're expected to because they're not good. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm getting at that is the Sabres aren't unlucky in goals against they've had bad goaltending, So that works against their expected goals against in terms of their expected goals for. They have actually been pretty lucky shooting wise not crazy lucky but they're about mm, about fifth top 10 luckiest in the league in terms of their uh how much more they've been expected to score than they've actually scored so or other way around they've scored more than expected well that's interesting i didn't really think of it that way so far this year but there's they're not high up enough and they haven't one enough to make people in the audience community like curious enough to look at that. I don't think, but it, it did make me wonder like, if there are a few guys on the team who shooting percentages are higher than you would think. And then just looking at you know, expanding out a little bit, the other things that can change or, or are factors in addition to expected goals is uh, your power play and your penalty kill. And the Sabres are also lucky in scoring on the power play because I was looking at this being like the Sabres should have one of the worst power plays in the league. They actually really don't in terms of goals scored, but they do in terms of expected goals scored. They're one of the, they're not the worst, but they've scored about seven and a half goals more than they've expe- been expected to score or, or eight, if you want a nice round number. Mm-hmm. So they've been lucky on the power play. We've both watched and know how bad they've been on the power play. And then. <sighs> they So they're the fifth luckiest power play in the NHL right now. And then as you can imagine, they have both a bad penalty kill and bad goaltending on the penalty kill overall this year. So I think what you're seeing with the Sabres is they are a pretty bad team, occasionally gets okay enough goaltending to keep the minute, and they've gotten, we'll say, timely goals and a little bit of luck. I think that's a fair
1: way of putting it.
0: I mean, they are really bad points-wise still, so it shouldn't be surprising that their expected goals are so bad, but I was a little surprised.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, but like you said, though, it's it's what we knew was coming this year. You know, it's just being realistic about what this team is right now. And I think if anything, it's nice for us to be able to take away, you know, the bright spots of what we've been seeing. Like, yeah, their expected goals is atrocious, but we knew going into this year that that was going to be the case. And again, I just, I keep going back to what we all were thinking about at the start of the season, where it's like wins and losses don't necessarily matter as much, as long as we're seeing the young guys develop at every level. That's both guys who are on the Sabres now, guys in Rochester and college overseas and up in Canada, like across the board, you just wanted to see that growth so that it was, it, it just, so that it would feel like it's building towards something real. And I think we are seeing that now. And I think that I, you know, it's important for us to, I guess, look at like the individual numbers and the individual performance of the players as compared to the overall team performance. Because as we know, there are some absolute, it's putting it kindly to call them bottom feeders who are negatively impacting a lot of these numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of was saying right before, uh, I got into that whole spiel with the numbers. Their their bottom six has been really icing some ugly ugly lineups lately. Very like there's there's guys that are like like we've mentioned this before guys that play so many games and it's I barely notice that they exist. I guess that's better than being someone like I hate to keep picking on them, but Eek and I do notice in the past no, I noticed away. like Sabaka. Uh but like yeah Hayden and and Andres Bjork, it's like they it's like they don't even play for the team sometimes. Yup. It's yeah. It's, it's unfortunately it's not a very good looking bottom six, but luckily, I mean, well, I was going to say, we should be seeing middle more soon. We should be seeing more of Quinn should be back at some point in like a month or so. Hopefully, mm-hmm. well, hopefully less than that. Maybe we see Hinostróza, but he'll be deadline bait though. Won't he? Yeah. Yeah. Him, he's not terrible. I mean, hopefully he could get back, actually, while there's still
1: some runway ahead of the deadline. He's <sighs> – it just sucks. And same goes for Colin Miller, for that matter, too.
0: Yeah. Well, before, uh, before we keep uh, talking about the Sabres, let's talk about our friends at DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good.
1: Whoa. New- yeah,
0: that's how good it is. That's new customers really can bet just one dollar on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy basketball contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Folks, are you guys betting on two of the um, hottest teams in the NBA, the Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls?
1: How about that? People are that? saying
0: it's... a uh, a future Eastern Conference finals matchup. Many,
1: many people are saying this now. Wow.
0: How Devin about White, that baby. <laughs> Nate Silver's website, 538, has the Celtics as NBA champion favorites as of today. Famously never been wrong, Nate Silver. Definitely not.
1: Historically, very accurate.
0: Yeah. Derek so White, that's...
1: also, I should say. I called him Devin White. I'm thinking of the Buccaneers linebacker, Derek White, sorry.
0: Yeah, Derek White, former Spur. He uh,
1: So wait, what did he say there, Taylor? Who? Nate Silver.
0: So his website, 538, has the Celtics as the NBA champion favorites right now.
1: So really sad that you said that now that it is confirmed that the Celtics will not be winning the NBA finals.
0: (laughs) No, but I mean, at least you don't like you were going to it looks like for a while you're going to be in like the 8-9 play-in game. Hey man, they're
1: only, I think what, two games out of the, uh, the four seed right now. Oh, I think they're closer than that.
0: I think you guys are only like
1: three and a half games out of first. Well, and I think too, I mean, like obviously they're on a ridiculous stretch right now, but their defense all year has been ranked towards the top of the entire NBA. And now it's just like on this run that they're on, it's just, they're taking it to a new level. Um, I still am of the belief that they are like a legit superstar piece away from actually being able to win a title, but who knows, you know, I guess we could see what happens. I mean, the playoffs can be really weird sometimes Hell, they made it to the conference finals three or four years and probably with the exception of like one of those years, they really like didn't belong to be there. If you're looking at it on paper for like who the best teams were. So Who knows? But I mean, we have the offensive juggernaut though. That is the Chicago bulls standing in our way.
0: (laughs) Well, the bulls also had an awesome defense for a while. The bulls just really been banged up. I I know they're still in first, but they they haven't really played great over the last month. It's Mm -hmm. really been a lot of DeRozan and Levine and occasionally Vucevic. Well, like Lonzo's hurt. Crusoe still hurt. And Pat Williams, I don't even know if he's going to come back this year. And then obviously they missed like DJJ is back, which is nice. Javante Green's been back, which is also good. But you know, a lot of, a lot of guys missed a, missed some time in the past couple months, not just with COVID, but with actual injuries and stuff too. So it'd be cool. Like Alex crusoe is a, uh, he's a real menace on defense. Mm. So he's, he's like him, like him in like AO Densumu and green and Derek Jones, Jr. When like you rotate those guys in and out of the lineup, it's just, uh, there's always someone that's kind of a pain in the ass to play against. Right. Although no, no. And Lonzo is a good example too. Lonzo is a good on the ball defender, but yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. There's only three and a half games between first and sixth. Um, And the bulls are actually tied with the heat for the one seed. So basically anyone out of the bulls, heats, bucks, Cleveland, Sixers and Celtics could get the one seed. And Toronto is only five out of the one seed. Wow. And then Brooklyn is also lingering as a team that, I mean, they could absolutely still win the finals.
1: Weird. That's, what are your thoughts on the Harden Simmons trade?
0: I mean, I can't. <laughs> I I think it's actually probably best for both. Uh, if Simmons just well, I guess if neither of them just weren't going to play anymore, I don't. I guess Harden, based on reports, his problem seems to be with Kyrie, which I can understand. So I think he's just going to play. I thought
1: that there was stuff with Durant though too, with like him and Nash for like the offensive uh, game plans that any time there would be. Uh, a play drawn up for Durant that Harden would like noticeably like roll his eyes and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this is a preview of what would have happened if Harden had actually, if OKC had kept Harden. Uh, Mm. Well, anyway, he'll be able to hope. I mean, it's going to be an awkward fit him and Embiid in some ways. I can't, I can't imagine it, but on the other hand, they're both incredible. So maybe they will make it work. Ben Simmons is probably a better fit. For the Nets, I'm not sure that was ever Harden. I know Harden, Kyrie, and Durant had a great record when they played together, but I'm not sure that was ever actually a great fit, having just those three. And who knows if Kyrie is even going to play home games. So that's it's going to be a weird situation in Brooklyn. So I don't know. So I think you would have Harden is a better fit in Philadelphia if he's just not going to want to be there. And then Simmons is probably a better fit now then Harden, if Kyrie's gonna play, but Kyrie's still not gonna get the shot, then it won't matter. Right. But also Simmons, Simmons, so like thoroughly melted down last year, and it's just kind of been a no show multiple times when they've been in big playoff moments. So I right. can't say I love that. On the other hand, remember how Durant was playing last year? Mm-hmm. Well, he could just I'm not sh- a
1: team to winning. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And then on the other hand, remember how Giannis was playing in the last two rounds last year. Right. So I I think I have a few problems with um, someone talking about title favorites uh, using an algorithm. I think it's impossible in the NBA. I think last year you would have looked at it if you just were looking at stats and be like, Oh, of course the jazz are title favorites. And I think, I think it's a bad way to look. I, I think it's, it's really hard for me to even conceive of it. The NBA, it's so different than the other sports for a variety of reasons, but I'm looking at Milwaukee and I know they're going through the motions and I know Lopez hasn't been healthy and Middleton's been in and out of the lineup and they have, you know, they've had their issues. There's only a game and a half out of the one seed, which I'm sure they'd love to get teams after they won the title. They kind of slack sometimes, not always, Mm -hmm. but it happens. And I think they, I just can't, if, if they're even like 90% healthy, they're just going to roll the Celtics and probably everyone else. Like, yeah. Well, not everyone. They wouldn't. I don't know if they'd roll Miami. They had problems with Miami a couple of years ago. They rolled them last year, though, so maybe they would. The Bulls would have no chance against the Bucks, and Cleveland again, too young, like the Bulls, kind of.
1: How about um, them though? What a
0: story they've been. Yeah, Mobley's going to be unbelievable, and mm-hmm. like so, like it'd be like between for me, I'd have Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and then also begrudgingly, begrudging, I would have Brooklyn uh, up there as like the three most likely to actually win the East. But Boston, no. I'd have Miami fourth, actually. And then Boston fifth, probably. We'll see. I don't know. See how this keeps up. But yeah, the, the other thing that's me that's insane is like, I don't know. If you were actually doing actual title odds, it's Phoenix. Phoenix is 47 and 10. They, mm-hmm. were, in the, they were in the finals last year. I don't understand how, how they the could not against. be in the favorite. How are they not the goddamn favorite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not cold. They've won nine of 10. And they have the best clutch numbers. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. They're going to roll to a one seed. They're going to play. I don't even know who in the first round. I'm looking at this now. They might play the Lakers. Might play the Clippers. Kind of eh. On both of those teams. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. What's going on with the Lakers, man? LeBron's a shitty GM.
1: Yeah. You got me there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They were... They should have kept Alex Caruso. He was uh, the secret sauce.
1: He was the glue.
0: Would you rather have Caruso, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and I think Montrez Harrell, or would you rather have Russell Westbrook and Taylor and Horton Tucker?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm like the worst person to ask that question to because I love Russell Westbrook, so –
0: Hey, he might pull off something unprecedented next year.
1: What might that be?
0: He could actually play for five different teams um, over the course of a five year max contract.
1: That is pretty crazy.
0: It'd be wild, right?
1: That, there's no way anybody's ever come close to that, right?
0: No, no, I don't actually know who would trade for him either. But
1: hey, speaking, of, well, did you see the thing, the Houston trade offer that was like uh, John Wall for Westbrook in a first? They already got traded for each other. I know. Um, do you believe Harden when he said that Philly was his first choice all along, like when he was leaving Houston? Yeah. You do?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think because it was better set up for him because they're going to trade Ben Simmons if there was a trade. And he trusts Dale Mori. But I'm sure he had second thoughts when he thought he could team up with Durant and Kyrie.
1: Right. I think that Harden, Durant, and Westbrook should just go back to Oklahoma City and just let chaos unleash. Obviously, I'm kidding.
0: Yeah. To OKC, you said? Yeah. Hmm. They have the picks for it. There you go. Wow. I don't know. I think they're better off. They have they have the a, a young court. They have Josh Giddy. They've got so- some guys. Josh Giddey, Shay Gilders, Alexander, Lou Dort,
1: Lou Dort. Here we go.
0: Yeah, so they'll be good anyway.
1: Agreed. Take a little bit of time, but they're they're not far off.
0: Yeah. Well, the Sabres are actually really busy this uh, this weekend.
1: They are going up against Ottawa on Thursday tonight. While everyone's listening to this, I should say gonna be a, a real riveting matchup there could be again another opportunity for them to pull in a win i believe uh, last i saw earlier that matt murray and anton forthberg i think are potentially both out tomorrow if i, I don't know if you've seen
0: anything oh. on that. no i did not see that well i mean in i'm, I'm, I'm exam, very while grateful.
1: i confirm that
0: this is huge whether Brendan Sutter's out or not, because I just can't see the savers beating Matt Murray or Anton Forsberg. <laughs> that's tough. Uh, tough that's to get past good. those two, uh, those Stymie and Goliath.
1: Um. All right. Yeah. So I got
0: Matt Murray. We're hopeful he's
1: back this weekend, so that he's out. And Anton Forsberg was uh, had a non-COVID related illness. Last night and into today, and did not practice. And his status for for Thursday's game is unknown.
0: Oh, good stuff! And then here we go, will...
1: baby! Three game winning. Have we had a three game winning streak this year? We've
0: had to have, right? I think they started three and zero, didn't they? Jesus! So they will have the Avalanche after that.
1: Well, so much Posting for the winning the... streak.
0: Yeah, Avalanche. They just lost their first regulation game in two months. So that's, that's something. Their first regulation game they've lost in 2022. They had a bad start because uh, what's his name? Their goalie was uh, not doing Kemper. well. Yeah. Yeah, Kemper. And they're like 33-3-3 three and three cents.
1: Insane. So
0: they're great. Pavel uh, they're Frank,
1: gonna... who's, like lost his first game in like two months last night or whatever.
0: Yeah, so they're going to beat us on Saturday. Don't get too sad about it. Because they have a chance to bounce back Sunday at 6 p.m. In Columbus, who says there's nothing to do on Sundays anymore? Now that the NFL season's over. You can watch the Sabres have a 6 p.m. game in Columbus.
1: I mean, it's pretty much the equivalent of the Super Bowl, if we're being honest.
0: Yeah, and if you don't like that, you can go right on to ESPN Plus earlier in the day and watch Canadians Islanders. Mm. You can watch Ranger Senators. You can watch Stars Coyotes. I mean, the fun never ends.
1: Really? It, It truly, truly never does.
0: Man. So that's pretty much it. I just wanted to say that while the uh, Eastern conference playoffs have been decided for, I don't know how long in terms of who's making it the West, I'm pleasantly surprised. They're still, uh, still pretty much up in the air. I mean, looking at it right now, Calgary is actually in first, but Vegas is in first in points percentage in the in the uh, Pacific division, and then Edmonton and LA tied for fifty five. Edmonton's got an LA a game at hand. Anaheim also tied at fifty five. LA has a game in hand on them. Edmonton has two. Uh, Vancouver's pretty much out of it. And um, then looking back at the central, like, or, yeah, the central Colorado's going to win it going away. Minnesota is right there as well. And then St. Louis, if who still keeps playing well, they'll probably be the three there. So, but after that Nashville right now is, a, you, I guess you would consider the seven seed in the West. Well, the eight seed, it's kind of uh, up for grabs Dallas. I mean, Edmonton's not, hasn't pulled away by any means LA Anaheim. Mm-hmm interesting
1: quite good for uh also calgary going all in and getting to foley i think that was a pretty good deal for them i mean they gave up a first it's going to be higher and you're going to have what two and a half years left of to foley on a pretty decent contract scored in his first game with them yesterday so yeah go calgary
0: yeah they're going to be good they 60 uh 60 points in 46 games right now so they They'll finish first or second. I would say probably second. Now that Jack Michael's is going to be coming back, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, this is going to be interesting. Dallas had a, a the, Dallas has been uh, pretty warm lately. Yeah, they won seven of their last ten, so they're like they're kind of still in it. I mean, they're they're six points back at Nashville, but only they have two games in hand. And as far as the actual wild card goes, right now, if the playoffs were to start today, uh, the eight seed would be LA uh, in. Anaheim would be wow. in ninth, but Dallas has a game of hand in them. So points percentage-wise, these guys are almost identical. And Asheville's not that far ahead of them.
1: That's crazy. I'm excited for this trade deadline. I'm hoping some crazy stuff goes down.
0: Robert Hag, Vinny Hestroza, Cody Eakin, and Colin Miller all in one deal for Ooh. a first round pick. <laughs>
1: Paul Edmonton, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys want all these guys?
1: Yeah, right. Come, come take a look at our our damaged goods here. Would you like any?
0: Yeah,
1: uh, you got any recommendations, Taylor?
0: Yeah, uh, on, on Saturday night I watched uh, the classic 2016 movie Pop Star, oh, Never Stop, Never Stopping.
1: Unbelievable which, movie.
0: Based on its box office, I'm going to guess a lot of you haven't seen. You have to go see it. It's incredible. If you like the Lonely Island, if you like Hot Rod, you got to see it.
1: It is so, it, it is laugh out loud funny. Like, oh my God, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. That's, was that your first time seeing
0: it? No, I've seen it quite a few times. Nice.
1: All right. That's good. My recommendation is uh, if you're looking for plans on Friday, come see my band play at Thin Man. Free show playing from nine to midnight Wow. on Elmwood. So, Taylor, if you don't have any plans on Friday and I will be be romantic, look into your eyes and sing to you. Unfortunately, I will be
0: uh, miles away in lovely New York City.
1: Okay, I'll go fuck myself then. Nice. Well, enjoy your trip, my friend. Everybody, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you use, as well as on social media. Throw them a follow, both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. And speaking of which, make sure you're throwing us a follow as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can find us straight up sabers. Also, wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you are not already, please subscribe or follow us whatever it is we would very very much appreciate it and finally make sure you're using that promo code thpn at checkout for DraftKings and do the 360 windmill slamming and jamming like taylor said or whatever the (laughs) hell the line was from the (laughs) cast all right everybody well we will be back with a brand new episode on monday but we hope you all have a great rest of your week and a great weekend this has been straight up sabers